Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast. with you guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys will have to bear with me a little bit if I'm clearing my throat. Hey, we are in the middle of a snooze button Christianity, and this whole whole series is about, man, what, what do you do? What do you do when you keep hitting snooze button on the things that God is telling you to wake up and start doing? And today we are talking about a topic um, that is one that is near and dear to my heart. It is being a thankful person. Um, a lot of pastors tend to wait to speak on Thanksgiving until the week of Thanksgiving, and I think we don't get enough time to really focus on being thankful. And so this morning, I, I'm going to speak about being a thankful, grateful person, and I'm going to challenge you to respect the bird, even though Christmas is coming. Um, keep the bird in your in your sights. And uh, man, I just love I love. Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. I love Thanksgiving. I love this time of year. Um, and, and so being thankful, being a thankful, grateful person really at, at, on a consistent basis is really something you're not used to seeing. Let's be honest. Like if you're a teenager, if you're a parent, if you're like you're a grandparent, man, just being a person, when you hear people that are just full of gratitude and thanking you, you're like, what is the deal with you right now? There's something wrong with you because the opposite is what we're used to. We're used to complaints. We're used to grumbling. We're used to people just telling us what's wrong instead of being thankful for what is right. And the reality is that people that are truly thankful people are a rarity in this world, but people that are negative and complaining are really common. And so the challenge for you and I as followers of Christ is the Bible says, you know, be, of the, be in the world but not of it. In, in other words, be in your culture but don't blend in. Don't, don't just blend in. There should be something that stands out about you. And as we're coming into this season, and even as this season ends, and Thanksgiving is over, and we're entering into Christmas and Black Friday, and you've got to get this sale right now, can I tell you, you and I are called to be thankful, grateful people. Uh, one of the challenges that, that we try to do as a family is try to figure out creative ways. And my wife found this on uh, Facebook or Pinterest or something. One of the Pinterest is a girl place, so I don't go there. Um, but she found a pumpkin. Some of you are like, no, it's not. Um, but 
She found this thankful pumpkin, and so every night at dinner, we have a Sharpie. I'm not allowed to write on it because my handwriting's atrocious, but they write something that they are thankful for, that, that all of us write a, a thing that we are thankful for, and we started this in the month of November, and it's actually pretty fun, and, and, and you put the things that you need to put, you know, like you have to have Jesus on there. We get that. I mean, all, I'm just being, I, I am thankful for Jesus, but you know, you're just like, yeah, Jesus, he's got to be on there. He's got to be somewhere at the top, you know. Um, you, you've got God, and, and, and husbands, you better make sure you put your wife on there, um, I don't know if I'm on there quite yet, um, but, <laughs> but as we started kind of going through different things, it started becoming funny what we were thankful for when you start thinking about things that you take for granted. And my favorite one, I, I don't know which one of my girls did it, um, but since we had gone to Africa, this was made really clear how thankful we are for it, and they put indoor plumbing, right? And you think, oh, I, I've never thought... You better think about it. I am thankful for indoor plumbing um, because I had to use the bathroom where there was not indoor plumbing and the uh, environment was not the most appealing environment. And you get home and you're like, thank God for toilets. You know, you're just, you are very thankful for stuff. And so this is something that we've done. Maybe you take it, maybe you do it. But, but here's kind of the, the context where this comes from. In Philippians chapter 4, and if you brought your Bible, you may want to just earmark that because we're going to come back to that chapter a little bit later. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 through 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. That's tough. <laughs> Be anxious about nothing. Don't, don't worry about anything. Instead... Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Don't worry about anything. Good luck. But pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And here's where I want us to stop for just a second. Because what I know about me may be true for you as well is that I'm pretty good at telling God what I need him to do. Right? I'm pretty good at praying. I'm pretty good at God. I need you, I need you to come through, man. Um, especially last night during the game. I'm like, God, I, I need you. Make him go left with that extra point. Make him go. Um, just, I, I need you to come through. See, I just opened a wound, but we're okay. We're moving along. Um, but, but we're good at praying about what we need God to do. But where we really fail, I'm, I'm talking about me here, I'm, I'm in it with you, is we forget to do this part and thank him for all he has done. We, we forget to look backwards and thank him for his goodness, for his faithfulness. Because what is simply true is many times, man, we forget what we should remember and we remember what we should forget. We, we forget what we really should, we, we should remember God's faithfulness, his goodness, his grace, his mercy that found a wretch like me and found a wretch like you, somebody who didn't deserve a thing and yet he gave us everything. And, and so how, how do we become a thankful person? How do we not just keep hitting the snooze button on the area of being a thankful, grateful 
person. Well, there's a couple of things we've got to understand. There's a couple of things we've got to stop doing and something we need to start doing. And so the first thing I would tell us is this, is we've got to understand the when then never ends. The when then never ends. When then never, ever, ever ends. What happens for a ton of us in this place is we're a then, when then person. And when then happens like this. I'll be thankful, you know, when this happens, then I'll be thankful. When this occurs, then I won't ask God for another thing. Liar. When this, you know, when, when, when I come to this phase of life, then all this is going to be great, and I'll be thankful, I'll be grateful, I'll be content. And, and, and I got to tell you, this when-then phase, it never ends. You never come to the end of when-then. And what starts off as a phase, what starts off as a phrase, excuse me, ends up becoming our nature. And we become a when-then type person. And this is applicable, this is applicable for every single person in here. It goes something like this for teenagers. When I get my first cell phone, when my parents finally give me my first cell phone. Not, not, not a junky flip phone because my dad doesn't want me talking to boys. But when, when I get an iPhone or something that's, that's, that's good, then I won't ask for another thing. I will be thankful. I'll be great. When I make this basketball team, when I may get this part in the school play, when I make this band, when I get this part, then I'll be okay. When I turn 16, right? When I turn 16, then my life will be, and let me tell you, for all you teenagers that are about to turn 16, don't wait till you're 17 years old to get your driver's license. Go out there and get your driver's license and drive. It is a blast. Put your video game down. The whole cool thing about turning 16 is your mom doesn't have to drive you around in her minivan that said, I used to be cool once, right? Like, go get your license. It's a big deal. And when I give my license, then I will be happy. And, and, and we come and we get our license. When I get a car, then I'll be, you get your car. And then it's when I graduate high school. I'm so tired of high school and all these little kids kids that I'm surrounded by, then I'll be happy. But you get out the end of high school, you never learn to be thankful. The journey just keeps going. You hit college. Oh, oh, well, you know, when, 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 I figure out my, when I figure out my major, then, I'm, no, that's what your parents are saying. When, you figure, when, they, when they figure out their major, then I will be happy, right? I'll be thankful. You, 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 if you go to a Christian college, the whole thing is ring by spring, right? You got to get a ring by spring. And if you are 19 years old and you're in your first year and you don't have that man and you're like, oh, I'd feel like such a loser and failure in life. If I just found somebody to be, you know, my fiance, then I, and I'm like, settle down. You're 19. You're Okay. Go slow, get to know, you know, let's, let's work this stuff out. Well, if, if I just graduate and if I start getting a job, then I'll be happy. If I can just get my own place, my apartment, then I'll, and you come to the end of college and you get a job and you get an apartment, but when then didn't stop? 
Now you're upset about your apartment. Why did I ever move in this apartment in the first place? You know, I'm paying rent and I don't get anything for it. And these, this job doesn't appreciate me. And you found a guy and now he's not even asking you to marry him. Or this girl's like, too, you don't know if she would say yes. So you're putting it off and you're just like, man, I just need somebody to be a husband. And you get married and now you're like, I just need her to appreciate me. But you don't say that because that's really stupid, Right? And all the ladies are like, when he gets all his junk figured out, then we're never going to get it figured out. I'm just letting you. It's not going to happen. This is as good as it gets. (laughs) Your win then is way down the road. We hop in and and I just have kids. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When, When my kid sleeps through the night, then, then. Then I'll be, I'll be well-rested. No, you won't. When my kid gets out of diapers, then I'll be, I'll be thankful because I don't have to spend money. No, you won't. When my kids graduate high school, no, 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 because then it just starts all over. And you grandparents, you're not exempt from this. When, when my kids give me my first grandchild, then, then I won't ask for another. When are you going to have another one? When are you going to have another one, Right? When, 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 my, when I have grandchildren, well, when my kids start disciplining my grandchildren because they're brats, like I don't know how this happened, like spank the kid, like already, you know, you're not supposed to say that from the pulpit, Justin, spank him with the butt. Then I'll be, uh, uh, and we come to when I can retire, then I'll be happy when we get to travel, and you get to this age where you can travel and you retire, and you're like, man, when I'm not so tired and I feel younger, then I'll, I'll be okay. And here it is. We've made our thankfulness contingent on people, places, phases, and things. And you have thankfulness that is contingent instead of faith, thankfulness that is consistent. And you and I aren't supposed to be these when-then type person. We're just called to be thankful where we are. And for what God is still doing in us and through us. In fact, the writer of Hebrews said it this way in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It's not about the stuff. It's not about what you have, what they have. Man, keep your life free from the love of money, from all the stuff. And be thankful for this, be content with this, is that God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Forsake you. That's enough. Second thing we have to understand is that thankfulness is never found where comparison and discontentment are present. Thankfulness is never found where comparison and discontentment are present. And, and if you'll keep this up there just for a second, I would, I would like to kind of reword this a little bit. Because I think discontentment is actually a place you end up at. And I would say this, thankfulness is never found where comparison and entitlement are present. When you have comparison and entitlement in your life, it always leads you to discontentment. And you won't find thankfulness where discontentment is, but where you find discontentment, you find the, the man, the art of comparing and an attitude of entitlement. Let, let me say this. Entitlement turns gifts into gripes. 
Entitlement turns your gifts that God has given you into gripes. Philippians chapter 4, 11 through 13 says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. That's really, really hard. To be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I've learned to be content whatever the situation. Are you able to say that? Because the simple reality is for a lot of us, the reason we're not content is because we're busy being entitled. And I'm going to let, this is going to seem a little harsh, but it's just real. For every single one of us in this place, the generation that is in retirement, the boomers in this world, the greatest generation that ever lived would scream this to you and scream this to me. You aren't owed anything. You you aren't. Let, Let me tell you, God doesn't owe you anything. If God didn't do one more thing than what he's already done, he's already done way too much. Hear me. If God doesn't do one more thing, he's already done too much. And what we have done, we have sacrificed the gospel of grace and mercy for prosperity and stuff. And and it's not about God giving you stuff. Man, that's nowhere in the Bible. It's not about God giving you this prosperous life. He may bless you with that, man. Be thankful whether you have much or whether you're in need. I've learned the art of being thankful whatever my, you aren't owed it. Here, here, you aren't owed a spouse. You're You're not entitled to a spouse. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. Some of you are like, he needs to try again because the one I got is not very good. Um, (laughs) Mine came from the devil. Um, But (laughs) we'll have to work on that in February in our relationship series. Um, Here's the deal. (laughs) You're not owed a spouse. Parents, you're not owed kids. Man, it's a gift you're not owed that job, the job that you have the health to work, that you have the ability, the education to work, man, that is not something you're in. Well, I'm owed that. No, you're not. You have been given that by the grace of God. You've been given the ability to be able to hold down a job and to do that. You're not owed it. Man, I know this was a rough week for some people that, that man, our person didn't get elected and, and we want to throw our hands up and we get mad and we get upset and I'm leaving this country. Listen to me. You still live in the greatest nation in the world and you aren't owed that, man. You've been blessed to live in the United States. Stop being cranky and entitled and just be thankful that God has placed you where he has placed you. Man, our, our view has gotten off. Our, 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 the way we're looking at things is completely, totally 
off. You're not owed a vacation. You aren't owed a nicer car. Man, I love cars. Can I tell you, I love trucks. I love them. I, I love them. And now I'm like, I need a new truck because my avalanche is getting old. And it's like, it's like kind of like everybody calls it a little S10 pickup, man. Well, I'm sure God's like, Justin, I feel really sorry for you. Shut up. Really? You're going to gripe about a truck right now, Justin? I love the trucks, God. Like, they're awesome. I want a big fat one. You know, I'm like, no. Man, I'm not entitled to it. God's helped me to get one, but I'm not entitled to it. You're not entitled to a vacation. You're not, you're not entitled to the things your parents have. Man, wait a bit and work at it. And then see what, because here's what I can tell you. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know what it took for that person to get to the place they're at and what God has done, and really, it's none of your business in the first place. <laughs> Here, here's, what, here's what I know. Gratitude makes what you have more than enough, but entitlement and discontentment makes what you have to never enough. And when we can become grateful for what God has placed in our life, and what he has put in our life, you learn the secret of being content in any and every situation. But when you let entitlement have a role in your life, something awakens in your life called the myth of more, that I call the monster of more. Because all it wants is more, 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 more. I need more money, I need more stuff, I need bigger trucks, right? I need more vacations, I need more clothes. I need those pair of shoes that just would make the outfit. He'd kill it. It just sets it off. What? You know, you're just like, now I need this new style of boot, and I need this, and I don't have any. And the monster of more never comes to a place where it's thankful. It's just constantly entitled. Paul said this, man, I've learned. This isn't something that you just arrived to. It's something that you've learned to be content, whatever your circumstance. The second thing I would tell you is this, is comparison makes reality blurry. Stop comparing your real life to everybody's highlight. Man, stop comparing your real life to everybody's social media. Okay? It's not real. Like, they didn't wake up out of bed, hair fixed, makeup on, making a duck face. It just didn't happen. I'm just telling you. Man, they're just a natural beauty. No, they're not. They spent an hour to get ready to post that photo and then lay in bed and make sure their hair was all right. Like, is it spread out right? You know, like, I, no. What happens when we start comparing is what happens when Casey and I go out to restaurants. Like, Casey is a, a notorious bad orderer. I don't know if you have that problem in your house, but Casey has that problem. And here's what happens is we go to a Mexican place, and Casey orders the chicken fajitas. Chicken fajitas are great. I love chicken fajitas, but chicken fajitas in a Mexican place is the safest bet you can make. Because it's chicken, beans, tortillas, some rice, and some, some, some cheese. When I sit down, I'm like, what's your best thing on the menu? They're like, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, give me that. And I'm like, Casey's like, where are you going to like it? I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to try it. You know, I'm like, let's, let's, let's go for the best thing. And we come out, and Casey's rolling up her fajitas, and then mine comes out. And she's like, yours looks better. <laughs> I'm like, it is better. Um, <laughs> she kind of... It's pretty good, but used to, she would like pout. You could literally hear her pout while she was eating. Hmm. You know, like, <laughs> here's my stupid chicken fajitas. And you're just like, uh. And, and, and 
I've grown. I'm a good sharer now. But when we first got married, I'm like, well, deal with the consequences. Like, you chose. <laughs> you chose poorly. Now you're going to have to deal with this. It's a life lesson that we're learning, Casey, right? I mean, just. Um, but now I'm a really good sharer. And I'm like, here, you can, we'll switch. You know, I can do that with my girls. I'm fine. It's food. I'll get something some other time. But, but here's the deal. Just what happens with Casey happens to us. In comparison, Theodore Roosevelt said this, comparison is the thief of joy. We become super happy until we compare what someone else got, right? We're super thankful until we start looking around. And the Bible says this in John chapter 21, verse 20 through 22. Peter turned around, and and let me set this up for just a second. Peter's just gotten reinstated. Like Peter has denied Jesus three times. No other disciple did this. Peter did it, right? After saying, "I, I won't deny you. Everybody else may, but not me. I'm your boy. Peter denies him. Jesus reinstates him by asking, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, God, you know I do. You know I'm here. Feed my sheep. Right? Does it two more times, three times total, and, and Peter gets reinstated. Shouldn't have been reinstated, but, but man, God's a God of mercy and grace and gives Peter like a billion time chance, like just chance over chance over chance. And Peter, Peter picks up, I mean, literally right after that happens, Peter turned around, just got reinstated. Peter turns around and saw behind, I love the way John describes himself, saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, right? Like, he was okay with all the other ones, but he loved that guy. Um, The one who had leaned over to Jesus during supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? And Peter asked Jesus, what about him, Lord? And Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, you follow me. Jesus is saying, what's it matter, Peter? What, what's it to you? What's it, any of your business what I do in him? You just follow me. You just, you just pay attention in, in, in following after me. It's not about what I'm doing in John. It's not about what's going on in his life. It's about your job, Peter, is to follow after me. And I got to tell you, I am guilty of this. I struggled with this a lot when I was a youth pastor and even when we started this church very early on. I thought, man, I would, I would listen to podcasts. I would watch pastors preach. I'd see their churches I, I love listening to T.D. Jakes. Guy can preach like an animal. I'm like, I, I just need to be like T.D. Jakes. Some big discrepancies here, but I need to be <laughs> like T.D. Jakes. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, maybe, maybe I, I, I'm watching him, and when he, he says this phrase, give God a crazy praise, all his people go, wah! You know, and they jump, and they're like, I'm like, that's it. I just got to get up and say, give God a crazy praise. If I did that here, you guys would be like, what, what's he talking about? A crazy praise. Like, it's one of those churches. Let's leave. You know, like, no, no. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Ain't going gonna, ain't gonna to solve nothing. It's, and oh, I thought if I could preach like Stephen Furtick and everything rhymed and, and was just so catchy and that, that's it. No, 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 it's not, it's not it. If I had the wisdom of Anne Lee Stanley and could write books. Writing a book, that's what, that's what successful pastors do these days. You write a book, right? It's a cool thing to do. I can't write. Everything's a run-on sentence. Like I'm like, I just stink. 
It's not me. If I had leadership skills of John Maxwell, people would just follow me because of the, the knowledge that flow. No, no. So I gave that up, and I thought, man, maybe if I could just become buff like Craig Rochelle, you know, just, I'll just drink enough creatine, and bam, my biceps will bring him in, you know, go that way, the Lord said. No, it, it doesn't. Follow me, you know, just keep your arms bent in a 90-degree angle all the time. God said to you, you know, no, it's not, it's not going to work. Here's what I will tell you. What doesn't work for me doesn't work for you either. And you can get busy looking and comparing your life, or you can get busy being fruitful in your life. But as long as you're comparing, you're very rarely fruitful. Man, as long as you're comparing what God is doing in everybody else, most of the time, you're not using what God has placed in your life. You're just saying, God, why couldn't you do this, God? And God's going, what's it matter? What, I, what, if, what if they have a nicer house and car and nicer vacant? What's it matter? You just follow after me. And so here's what I have had to say to myself, and still to this day when I start comparing, I just have to, I'm like a crazy man. I whisper it to myself. I just say, ma'am. Do your thing and stay in your lane. Stay in your lane and do your thing. And it's thang, like T-H-A-N-G. Because when I put a little soul in it, it makes me a little bit better. If I just stay in your lane and do your thing. Don't, don't worry about what everybody else is doing. Just be obedient to what God has called you to because I can't be thankful for all that God is doing in my life and in Foundation Church if I'm constantly comparing it to everybody else. And you can't be thankful in your life and what God is doing through your life if you're constantly comparing to everybody else. You will never thank God. You'll never turn around and thank him for all he's done as long as you're comparing to, to what God has done in everybody else. What does it matter? What's it to you what I'm doing? And John, man, you just follow me. And I will say it again. Thankfulness is never present where comparison and entitlement are a reality. You will always come to a place that leads you to discontentment. So how do you live this thankful life out? Because there's going to be moments we don't like where we are in life, right? James said this. He said, Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kind. What are you talking about, James? That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Be joyful about facing trials of many kind. Keep reading. But here's what I can tell you. If you're going to be thankful on a consistent basis, if you're not going to compare, if you're not going to be entitled, if you're not going to be discontent, if you're not going to play the win-then game, then you and I have to learn to be thankful in it, not for it. And we've gotten this backwards. We become very good at being thankful for things, but God hasn't called us to just be thankful for things. He's called us to be thankful in things. I don't have time to go through my Old Testament that I would love to at this time, but there's a verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, and it says this. It says... <clears throat> Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Never stop praying. Be thankful in, didn't say for all circumstances. It said be thankful in it. See, I, 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 I love that because Paul isn't saying, hey, be thankful for cancer. No, that's crazy. 
Be thankful that you're in a financial hardship. No, that's crazy. Be thankful when your marriage is a real struggle. No, no, no. That's, that's, that, nobody, nobody, that's not real. I can't do that. But what I can do is when sickness hits my body, I can still be thankful in my situation. What, what I can do is when my marriage has hit a rough place, I can still be thankful in my situation. When, when, man, when, when the finances are hard, I can still be thankful whether I've got much or whether I have little. And, and here's what I want us to understand, man. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego got thrown into the furnace, we always miss that they went into the furnace, right? Like God didn't rescue them from the flames. He didn't just say, hey, I'm going to rescue you from the flames. He just promised to be in the flames with them. And many Many times we think God should rescue us from the fire when God is more concerned about making you fireproof, hello Kirk Cameron, um, instead of trying to be the person that God, man, if you, we want to have this amazing testimony without going through the circumstances to have the amazing story. And God's way more concerned about your character than your comfort and he wants to lead you through fires and through difficult times and through circumstances and say, man, I'm not, it's not about rescuing you from the flames. Well, Justin, I feel broken. Well, good, because you can be thankful in it because his word says that he's close to the broken and hearted and binds up their wounds. Well, Justin, I feel poor. The Bible says that the blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, Justin, I'm at the end of the road and I don't know what to do. The Bible also says, Matthew 5, that you're blessed when you come to the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Well, Justin, I feel like a nothing. I don't know anything. I don't know the next step. I don't know how anything's going to get worked out. Can I tell you, I've been there. I get it. Understand what it is to feel like nothing when I was in mid-high. Understand what it was to feel like nothing when I was a youth pastor. I understand what it was to feel like nothing and how's this all going to work when I got fired. But can I tell you the comfort that I have is that God was a God that took a teenager and he turned him into a giant slaying king. God is the God that took this middle-aged man who was stuttering in the desert and the number one fugitive of Egypt and in his 80th year he let him step into his significance and he became the deliverer of the Israelites. God didn't forget about him. He was preparing him. God took Abraham and Sarah who had infertility problems at the age of 90 to 100 years old, somewhere in there. The promise that you're still gonna be the father of nations was still a reality and he was bringing something around that Abraham and Sarah couldn't even see it being a reality. God took 12 crazy unorganized men and he turned the world upside down with the God gospel of Jesus Christ, that if it wasn't for these 12 men, we wouldn't be where we are. I'm confident that God can take you feeling like a nothing and turn you into something, but don't wait till you got something to thank him for something. My goodness, be thankful in your situation. Be thankful in your circumstance. Psalms 34, 1, the psalmist says this. David writes this psalms right after he's played the crazy man. Had to run to the Philistine army and act like a madman in front of the king. Same Philistines who Goliath was from that kingdom. They all knew David as a giant slayer, but he's running for his life from Saul because Saul's jealous. He got busy comparing. So, <laughs> there's a whole other sermon in there, but Comparison will always make you destroy and chase what other people already have. David's acting crazy. And after this is done, after this episode's done, and everybody's saying, man, this is David, he's crazy. 
He writes this word, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I acted like a crazy man. I drooled all over myself. I don't like the circumstance I am in. I'm away from my home. I got nothing. I don't know how anything good's gonna, but I know what I can do. I may be in the fire. I may be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm in the flames, but he's in the flames with me, and he will make it evident that he is able to save me and restore me and work through me. So even when I'm in the flames, even when I'm in circumstances that I don't understand and I don't like, I declare this, I will bless the Lord at all times. I will, his praises shall continually be in my mouth. I'm not going to stop thanking him. I'm not going to stop praising him. Give thanks to the Lord in all circumstances, in all situations. Man, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if everything's good or everything's bad, but what I do know, where you're at and what you're in, start praising him, start thanking him, and watch what he does and what he erupts in your spirit, if you will allow it. Man, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Be thankful in all circumstances. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, this is, this is a challenging message for me. This is a challenging message for a lot of people who, man, were driven We've got goals, we've got aspirations, we've got our life the way we've pictured it being. And Lord, when things aren't the way we pictured, we start complaining, we get impatient. We play the win then game. When I just get here, when, when this just happens, when this, this, this stage of life hits here, when, when my, my finances hit here, when my, my loved ones hit here, when, when life looks like this, then I'll be thankful. But God, it never, never comes to being a reality. We just keep moving the bar. We keep moving the line because more than being obedient about following you, we're just busy comparing to others. We're busy feeling like we're owed something and that we're entitled to something. And we just say, man, if all these things would happen then, but God, I pray that right where we are, right, right where life has us, that we would be thankful in it. That we would be thankful in our circumstance. The Apostle Paul wrote Philippians chapter four in the prison. He didn't have a family, he wasn't married. Some of the apostles were married, Peter was married. He had kids, Paul was all alone. He says, I've, I've learned the secret of being content whatever my circumstance. I've learned the art of being thankful in all circumstances. God, help us. Help us learn that. Because a lot of people would look at Paul and say, well, he's got nothing to be thankful for, but he had everything to be thankful for. Like the writer of Hebrews said, because your word says you will never leave us nor forsake us. God, that's enough. So God, I pray in our hearts something would rise up and we would not keep hitting snooze on being thankful, on being content but we would take time to reflect and we would take time to thank you for all that you have done. 
all that you are still doing because you aren't leaving us. You haven't forsaken us. And so God, I pray that we would be a thankful, grateful person because being thankful doesn't just happen. You don't arrive to a place of being a thankful person and content person by accident. You intentionally get there. And so I pray that we would be intentional in our actions and intentional in our thoughts. And we would praise you and we would thank you in all circumstances. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here, say, Justin, I'm here and I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. We want to give you a chance to change that. You're here in this place and you say, you know what, I'm just not where I should be. I'm not where I need to be. And, and you know it, but you haven't done anything to change it. You, you know it and you feel it, but you've just kind of been putting it off and, and the change hasn't come because, man, you haven't stopped to allow change to catch up to your life. Can I tell you, God wants to do something amazing and new in your life. And if thankfulness is going to erupt in your life, grace and mercy and love and forgiveness has got to find you first. And this morning, if you're here and you just say, Justin, I'm not where I need to be or I just need to make a first time choice, I'm gonna count to three and I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand. And here's what's gonna happen. You're not gonna get embarrassed. You're not gonna be led to another room. We simply believe God sees a hand and he changes the heart. And this morning, if that's you, don't put it off. Man, we already had five people in first service raise their hands. Say, Justin, that's me and there's a change that needs to happen in me. Man, let that change happen when I get to three. One, two, three. Is there anyone in this place you say, Justin, that's me. Yeah, there's one and there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these hands. Yeah, I see you. There's three. There's four. Is there anyone else? There's five. Is there anyone else? I see you. There's six, seven. Is there anyone else? You join these seven hands that are raised across this place this morning. You say, Justin, man, that's me. There's a change. There's something that needs to occur in my life. I realize I've been putting it off and you join these seven hands that are lifted. Is there anyone else? If you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And, and God, I, I confess I'm not where I should be. God, I know I need to change. And I just confess I've sinned, I've messed up. But I ask for your forgiveness. I ask that your grace, your love would enter my life. I turn from the life that I've been living, from everything that I've made it, to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these seven individuals that raise their hand a huge round of applause? Yeah. Hey, if you raise your hand this morning, let me let you know. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions, are in need of prayer, or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at Nicole at foundationschurch.tv.
We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Thank you.